Hi. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the end of the book of Romans, and we're reading in three different places. So if you want to follow in the blue Bibles in front of you, if you turn to page 1140, and we're starting at the beginning of chapter 14, then we'll move on to chapter 15. Romans chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Now from chapter 15, starting at verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. And then from the end of chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Fiona. Uh, you nearly died during COVID, uh, but for the prayers of your people, uh, I feel, you know, you wouldn't be here. And Laszlo was just sharing that uh, he's just finished his PhD and the graduation will be in November. And so uh, Laszlo himself is a huge answer to prayer. Uh, we're in a, a series. We're in a series uh, looking at our DNA as a church. What kind of church do we aspire to be? And last, last week, we looked at the value of humble leadership. This week, the topic is about being an international and an intercultural church. That's different from multicultural. Let me explain the difference. Uh, we have here a, a definition of multiculturalism. Multicultural refers to a society that contains several cultural and ethnic groups. People live alongside each other but each cultural group does not necessarily have engaging interactions with the other. And this is interculturalism. Intercultural describes communities in which there is deep understanding and respect for all cultures. Intercultural communication focuses on the mutual exchange of ideas and cultural norms and the development of deep relationships. That's the key there, deep relationships. In an intercultural society, no one is left unchanged because everyone learns from one another and grows together. 
This is the kind of church that we aspire to be. This is a biblical church. And as I look out uh, this morning, uh, I see people from all different kinds of backgrounds and life experiences and cultures. And I'm not just referring to racial backgrounds, though there are many different nations represented here. Um, We are from different class backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, different theological backgrounds, even as Christians. And this is a blessing, but it presents huge challenges as well. One thing that we British fail to understand often is how difficult it is to to be a foreigner here, to, to not be able to speak from your heart when you struggle with the language. We fail to understand how lonely people are. And all of us see even the Bible through our own cultural lenses. So Pete Scazzaro writes, Jesus might be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. We're going to see that in the passage that uh, was read in part to us today. The topic today is very, very relevant because it is a matter of enormous concern. How do people from different races, different backgrounds, different religions and cultures, how do they live together in peace? That's been dominating our concern here in Europe for at least the last 50 years. And in America, you know, it is the disunited states at the moment, perhaps more polarized than at any time since the Civil War. So let's have a look at our text. I want us to look, first of all, at Romans 14, 1 to 3. And we see here culture clash in Rome. There was a dispute. And the dispute was between those with a Jewish background who'd become Christians and those with a Greek or a Roman background who'd become Christians. And the presenting issue was food. If you were Jewish, grandpa said, you should only eat kosher meat. And because it was difficult to get kosher meat in Rome, a lot of the Jews said, look, we should just eat vegetables. We should all just eat vegetables. And Paul describes these people as weak The purposes of the food laws in the Old Testament were to keep a national identity for Israel. These food laws drilled into the soul an important truth that God is holy and separate and other, that you can't just go into his presence, that the food laws were a visual aid, as were many of the laws of the Old Testament, that God is holy. Now Jesus is the one who makes us presentable, and so the food laws are no longer relevant. Jesus fulfills the food laws. But a group in Rome who believed the gospel, they couldn't shake centuries of tradition. And Paul says they're they're weak. They're weak because they haven't fleshed out the implications of grace. And they are still living by unnecessary laws. They're still observing all kinds of Sabbaths and Jewish customs that they don't actually need to now. So in this instance, the the Greek and the Roman Christians are strong. 
they have worked out the implications of grace, but the Jewish Christians are described as weak. What do we learn from this? Well, we see that racial and cultural and theological differences will always be here. And these differences have a huge impact on us. We all read the Bible through our cultural lenses. And you know the people that most think that they don't have a lens? Are the white people, the British people. British people often think, well, the way we do things is just the right way, the biblical way. But there are lots of, lots of things that we do that are cultural. For, for instance, British Christians, we go to church on Christmas morning. That's part of our tradition. Most countries don't do that. Uh, they'll go on uh, Christmas Eve. Um, and there are lots of things like that. But we, we just think often that the, the, the white way is the right way. And that is why, folks, going on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip, exposing yourself to another culture is so important. It's important for us to work out what is cultural and what is really biblical. We can't ignore these cultural differences. They are there, and they, they create sometimes tensions in the church and in the mission field. You know that most missionaries leave the mission field because of a clash with other missionaries, often a culture clash. But what we see about the Jews and the Greeks is, in one setting, one racial group is wise and strong, but in another setting, that same group might be dumb, and vice versa. Everybody's standing in a culture, and our position is limited, and if we are just one culture, we're limited in what we see of the glory of the gospel. We, we're going to have blind spots. The history of the church shows that. Why was segregation and slavery tolerated for so long? But the more multicultural a church is, or the more intercultural a church is, the more biblical it is. In Ephesians 3 verse 10, we've got this amazing verse where Paul says that God shows off the multicolored wisdom of God to the angels, to the principalities and powers. God says to the look at Above Bar Church. Look at the church with, with Africans and Asians and Persians and Europeans and people from all nations worshiping together. God's showing that off to the angels. So our, our cultural differences are a huge problem but they're also a huge opportunity because we need each other. We need every tongue, tribe, and nation in order to see through our cultural blind spots in order to see the glory of the gospel better. That's why it's concerning that Southampton University Christian Union, the, the, the committee, all come from one church. You know, that, that's concerning. It's better to have a multiplicity and to, to be a true union. So how do we make the problem worse? Well, Paul speaks about how things were getting worse in Rome, and the word he uses is contempt. So have a look at verse 3 and verse 10. Yes. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything 
must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And then verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? Contempt, if you're not English, contempt means to look at someone and think, they are stupid, they are ridiculous. And we can show contempt certainly by having a condescending attitude to someone, but, but contempt can sometimes wear a tolerant mask. Our society shows contempt when it says, look, the only way all of us with different religions and cultures and backgrounds can live together in peace is for us to say there is no objective ultimate truth. Everybody has a bit of the truth. And all the religions lead to truth. There's bits of truth in Islam, Buddhism, Christianity. Nobody has a monopoly. They're all trying to do the same thing, worship God. And that's how society shows contempt. So you share the gospel with someone who regards you as being very narrow because you believe Jesus is the only way, and they are broad-minded, and they look at you with contempt. And they might think or say, well, it's fine for you to believe what you believe, but don't try and convince me. Don't, don't try and impose that on me. There's, there's no ultimate objective truth for everybody. There's your truth and there's my truth, so don't impose your truth on me. But they are making a truth claim. And this so-called tolerance can be very intolerant and actually full of contempt. If you're if you're intolerant of people making an exclusive truth claim, then you're intolerant. That's a faux solution, and that's not what Paul is exhorting in this passage. But he does exhort something in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, chapter 15, verse 1, and chapter 15, verse 7, which is why I wanted several different verses read, read from different places. So 14, verse 1, accept the one whose faith is weak. Chapter 15, verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. 15, verse 7, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. The word used at each of those locations is the Greek word proslebano. It means to draw in. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with the person. You might disagree, but you still adjust your life to draw the other person in. See, society says you shouldn't make negative evaluations, but be tolerant. But Paul says no. <laughs> you know, he, he actually says, accept, bear with what? The weak, the failings of the weak. These people who are legalistic, bear with them. It's, it's not good to be weak. It's not good to be called a weaker brother or sister. But he says, make the evaluation. The, these people who are banning certain foods are wrong and they're weak. But he says, proslebano, accept them, draw them in. So in love, make the negative evaluation, but still adjust your life so that you live with people who are different and you learn from them, and you nuance your own views. We who are strong should literally bear the weak. 
That is, sympathetically understand and make every effort to see their side of things. Don't look down, don't show contempt. Do everything you can to understand and empathize. And this relates to last week because this is definitely what leaders need to do. And as I say that, I think of the times where I haven't done that, right? <laughs> where I haven't done this. But I do think when we met together as leaders to discuss, this time last year, uh, the role of women in ministry, women preaching, we did do this. We did listen to each other. Uh, we were perhaps firm in our own view, but soft on the outside. Firm on the inside, soft on the outside, which is a lot better than being abrasive on the outside and squishy on the inside. This word proslabano is so important because we will never know Jesus and the gospel properly and fully if we only hang out with people who are like us. We will inevitably have blind spots. History shows that. And that doesn't just apply to race and culture. It applies to different theological views as well. At Above Bar Church, we've got some who are inclined to the charismatic. That is, you hear messages from God, prophetic words maybe. And others of you think that's nuts. I know because you've told me. And you've written emails to me, right? What do we do with this? Well, we make our negative evaluations, but we love one another. We make space for one another. We learn from one another. We, might, we have a firm center, but we have soft edges where we're listening to one another. Firm convictions, but gentleness and a listening spirit. Don't show contempt, says Paul several times. If he were here now, he'd say, look, spend less time online and more time staring into the face of the person that you disagree and talk to them. Let's have a look at chapter 15. Verses 1 to 3, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. So he's saying do this with non-Christians as well. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. Sometimes we do insult others, but all the insults have fallen on Jesus. Where do we get the power to do this, proslabano, to draw others in? It's from the power of hope. And chapter 15, the rest of the letter to the Romans, is actually all about being inspired by hope. The word most repeated is hope. And it's in our hope in the intercultural gospel. So verses 4 to 7 Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The scriptures give us hope of a future coming kingdom where Jew and Gentile will worship together. And this is why at the end of the chapter we've got lots of quotations from the scriptures about Jew and Gentile worshiping together in a new kingdom where all the old hierarchies, prejudices, and apartheid are gone, and where people genuinely worship together. This is the Christian hope. 
the hope of a coming kingdom that is intercultural and diverse, where Martin Luther King's dream has become a reality. It's exactly 60 years, two, three weeks ago, that Martin Luther King gave that famous speech where he talked about justice rolling down like rivers and righteousness like a never-failing stream. And the civil rights movement was a Christian movement inspired by hope. I have a dream where people are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And it was actually this hope in these scriptures that inspired that movement, that someday God is going to put everything right, that all the injustices of this world are going to be put right. And so they went after it. And as you read on in chapter 15, you see this hope uh, articulated and uh, emerging. Verse 12, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and all the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. Now, in the New Testament, the word hope is something secure and certain. It's not like our English word. We sometimes say, I hope so. We're not sure. But the Greek word hope is something we can be sure of because God has promised it. And God has promised that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of his Christ. And he will reign. In other words, the hierarchies and prejudices and injustices that blight this world will one day be erased. And the future kingdom will be cosmopolitan, will be international, will be alive with the food and the dancing and the culture of the nations. Praise God. And because that is our hope, we go after it now and we seek to express it as much as we can in our church. That's the objective. But this hope is also a personal hope. It's a personal hope. If you know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he accepted you, you're able to accept others, proslibano, to draw them in, even when you strongly disagree with them or if they've insulted you, you're able to forgive. Because Jesus, Jesus made a negative evaluation of me, Chris Webb. He said that Chris Webb, he's sinful, he's broken. Even when he tries to do good, it's often from wrong motives. He's a wretch. He certainly can't save himself. But I'm going to draw him in. I'm going to come down and I'm going to make space for Chris Webb in my life. Not only that, I'm going to go to the cross for him. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that he can be brought in. And not only that, not only am I going to bring Chris Webb into this intercultural kingdom, I'm going to work on Chris Webb's character so that Chris Webb is less narrow-minded, less prejudiced, and I'm going to mold him into someone who feels the pain of others and who wants to bring others in. That's what Jesus is doing in my life. I often fail, I often don't get it, but that's the trajectory. He's making me like Jesus. 
And so he's my savior and he's my example as I try to pursue interculturalism in my own life. So in conclusion, folks, cultural differences are a big problem. They can cause clashes, but they're also a big opportunity because we can be a witness to the world in this, that we truly accept one another, even though we're so different, even though on secondary issues we might disagree, we can be a witness in this, that we are a people from all different backgrounds and stages who have hope in the coming kingdom of God, and this hope overflows in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and so we go after it.